you know he was dead, and you knew it was him. He's just surprised he didn't know that the, the meter guy was a member of the Skull and Bell. <laughs> Welcome to the Horror Talk Podcast, where we show our guest a horror movie without giving them any information about it ahead of time. I'm your host, Dakota Jones, and as always, I'm here to guide you and our special guests through the bizarre and fantastic horror films you may have missed. Our special guest today is local Mystery Science Theater 3000 historian and semi-truck driver enthusiast, Randy Cox. Randy, welcome. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> I know a lot about things that will bring me no financial remuneration or probably even not any that much long-term joy, but I'm here for it. Well, you know, Bruce Campbell's coming uh, coming to Indy next month, and they're doing the game show, so maybe you could get on that. Uh, that would probably be a little too much effort uh, for me <laughs> to put into. So, uh, tonight's movie, I don't even know where to list on my favorite Wes, Wes Craven films, but we're watching People Under the Stairs. Andy, what would you say is like your top like Wes Craven films? My absolute favorite is... Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing. <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's New Nightmare, and a lot of that might have to do with the fact that when I first saw it, uh, even though I'm not like a huge horror fan, I sort of like the meta commentary uh, mm -hmm. elements of it. I <laughs> I do think that maybe some elements were kind of a little lame in terms of trying to show its uh, edgy bona fides by like you know, well, Freddy has a coat now, so you don't have to worry about the stripy sweater. And, and the claws are coming out of the hand. Yeah. No glove. The gloves are off. <laughs> that was the Wait, was that their tagline? Because that's what it should have been. That, that was the uh, organic web shooters of its day. <laughs> well, why does he just have it come out of his fingers? I love watching New Nightmare just to see like how they're putting Robert England on a pedestal. And I was like, is he actually getting this much pussy and attention in real life? In a more just, humane world, yes. <laughs> know that there has to be at least, let's just say, 3,700 fangirls who would want him to say the word bitch during the act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Take it, bitch. <laughs> Gonna fill you up with my dreams. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I was... Normally, when I have guests on, I ask two questions. The first one was like, what's your favorite Wes Craven? But the other one, I guess... Uh, is incest ever okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> my <laughs> instinct would probably be to say no. Uh, maybe I'm letting my own personal revulsion get in the way. <laughs> and, you know, you know what? Maybe I just need to have other family members. I'm maybe. able to judge more honestly. But what about step family members? Is oh, step family. That's fair game. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everyone likes to think it's gross, but you know, Game of Thrones, there, everybody's talking about it, but I would like to point out that Paul Rudd was doing the stepbrother thing in Clueless way before Game oh, of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> and also, let's be honest, brutally honest here, a lot of ladies about my age fell in love with Paul Rudd because of that movie. Really? Uh, at least for mine. I don't know. Maybe there's uh, some sort of 
already blind spot that I'm, you know, liking on right now, but uh, every a lot of people I know cite that as, oh my gosh, Parva, you're so dreamy in that. Not Halloween 6? <laughs> I don't know, I would have to, uh, I'd, ha I'd have to ask. <laughs> put, put on your Facebook, put a poll, be like, ladies, ladies. <laughs> Paul Rudd film gets you the wettest. <laughs> so, not knowing anything about this, what would you pitch them? Just from, like, looking at it. I actually, so this is the original poster on the Blu-ray, mm -hmm. but in the inside is a very beautiful new artist rendition of what the poster could be, and that gives too much like. Uh, I did see a Siskel and Ebert review of this. Uh, not uh, much of it is stuck in my mind, but I want to say that it's maybe kind of like a, uh, uh, <laughs> the family dynamic might be a little similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, only uh, without the hardware. Though, just looking at the poster, it looks like a little suburban area here, the skull looming over. So, I'm guessing that the satirical elements will be there. <laughs> so, yeah, if that sounds great to you guys, then uh, just go to Amazon right now and load up Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. <laughs> and after that, you can follow it up with Wes Craven's Music from the Heart. I'm sure they do pair well. Oh, but that's the uh, the Meryl Streep movie, the Meryl right? Streep one. That's yeah. that was his blank check movie for doing those screams. <laughs> you know, he gets he gets, he gets to do a sentimental uh, music teacher important thing. Last thing I'll say about Craven was uh, my friend was going through and rewatching all the screams, and he goes, "No, three's just not good." In any way, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be more satirical than anything, but I feel like if you have Jane Silent Bob <laughs> in a horror movie, it's probably not top tier. Which which doesn't date it at all. It doesn't. Like, it's not like it's, I, I could like, you know, let's say when my kid is a few years older and we watch horror movies, I could show him the first two screen movies, and I wouldn't have to say, like, oh, you know, well, there was this thing at this time. With Jay and Silent Bob, it's like, okay, there was this, uh, he wasn't even a stoner at this point, but there was this uh, future stoner guy who somehow became the voice of a generation. He was contractually obligated to be in a screen movie or something. I'm not quite sure, but he's here. And then once you showed them that, then you can show them Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where they're yeah, shooting sir. a screen movie. <laughs> yeah, and, then my, and then my kid will be just like, can't we just watch something else? <laughs> Can we watch something with substance? Can we watch something new? What about Jersey no! Girl? <laughs> <laughs> All right, are, are you ready for this? Let's go. Our guests are going into the movie blind, but here's your chance to hear a full summary of the film. Be forewarned that this is the entire plot of the film, so spoilers galore. Also, if you haven't seen the movie, just pause the podcast right now and come back after you've watched it. Don't come to us saying that we gave away plot details. Also, this movie's been out for a while. You've had plenty of time to watch it. The People Under the Stairs is a 1991 film written and directed by the horror legend Wes Craven. It stars Brandon Quentin Adams as Fool, Everett McGill as Man, Wendy Robbie as Woman, A.J. Linger 
as Alice, Ving Rames as Leroy, and Sean Wallen as Roach. It's a fantastic film that talks about the wage gap, landlords, discrimination, and weird mutilated teenage boys underneath your stairs. It's everything you could want. So our story begins with Fool and his family. His mother is sick and needs medication, operations, but also they're being evicted by their cruel landlords, played by Everett McGill and Wendy Robbie. Now, it is up to Ving Rhames and a character called Spencer, played by Jeremy Roberts, along with Fool, to break into the landlord's house and steal their supposed huge amount of wealth. So what ensues is Spencer is quickly killed off, and so is Ving Rhames. So all that is left is Fool. Now, man and woman have a daughter, but have actually kidnapped her, and that is Alice. So Fool meets with Alice, and Alice introduces Fool to Sean Wallen's character, Roach, who is one of the teenage boys that was kidnapped, had his tongue cut off, and has escaped, and is now living in the walls of the house. We find out that man and woman are brother and sister, and the entire plot is basically a cat and mouse game where they're searching for Fool, Fool is trying to escape, and at the same time is trying to find the vast amount of wealth that is rumored to be in the house. We finally get to a standoff between Fool and Man, and the townspeople confront Man and Woman for all the terrible things that they've done to their community. She's able to lock the house, uh, which is like an Acme-style Looney Tunes house, and from there she is in a standoff with her supposed daughter, Alice, when the people under the stairs finally emerge and attack her. While this is going on, Man is in a standoff, in full BDSM gear, by the way, with Fool, and Fool of lights the dynamite that's apparently in the house that was never talked about before, and all the money explodes and goes to all the people in the town. And then we are left with the people under the stairs emerging and going out into the normal world to do whatever. It's not really clear. I don't know what kind of life they're going to live. Uh, special mention to Jan Birch, who is the main person under the stair. Uh, he was credited as Stairmaster. This is a really nice, thought-provoking piece by Craven, and it's before, you know, he's got the big resurgence with Scream, but it's after things like 1989 Serpent in the Rainbow, I think this is a fantastic film that poses the question, what if the Looney Tunes were into BDSM?
Hi, I'm Marina, the editor of Horror Talk Podcast, and these are a few of my favorite moments from Dakota and our guest watching the movie. Oh, uh, last thing, uh, Bing Rames is in the movie. Oh, fuck yeah! That's how you know it's going to be good. <laughs> Starring Brandon Adams. You might remember Brandon from his two hit movies, uh, The Sandlot and My Ducks. The music for this, Craven actually got someone beforehand, and it was like this melancholy, like jazz music. And Craven was like, This fucking sucks. <laughs> and so he called this friend and he was like, Hey, can you score a movie in three days? And yet, somehow, this movie doesn't have the same uh, legend as Jerry Goldsmith's Chinatown or something. Like <laughs> this movie would be really, really popular with certain sex of Twitter right now. Jeez. <laughs> 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 so the reason why I asked do you like Twin Peaks off camera is because they don't have names their name is man and woman but it's played by Big Ed and his wife from the show that's right hot off the heels of Dune and Iguana it's Everett McGill you've got enough in your mouth finish chewing Man, the budget for Sesame Street is going way down. Did you go see the count? Yes, I've got three. Three prescription drugs. Uh, 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 uh. For those of you listening to the Horror Talk podcast, uh, if you've got your bingo cards out, cancer can be marked off. Your mother's got sudden death syndrome. <laughs> I feel like um, see this is this is what the Twitter bros want to do. <laughs> they don't have they don't have the uh, wherewithal and ambition of being rained. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you just gotta hunker down. You gotta get into it, and you gotta rob a liquor oh, store. Let's see, oh, see. I want to tell these you know these tough guys on Twitter. Look, back in our days, we had to <laughs> rob our liquor stores. We didn't talk about it. We didn't tweet through it. There weren't any seltzers. Yeah. We just had Colt 45s and Zemas. You kids today with your hula hoops and your iPads. <laughs> Back in my day, we had the swivel chair in the family computer room in Boone's Farm. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> Bing Rams yeah. is. What the fuck? Yeah. He's like, Mom, have you seen him? He's, <laughs> he's, he's built like a brick shit <laughs> Although he does look like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't put on Mommy Dearest by accident? I fucking love Mommy yeah. Dearest. And it's not for the coat hanger line, it's when she just wakes up in the middle of the night and goes to her room and like looks at the floor and is like, We're gonna clean! We're gonna clean till it's spotless! Back yeah. to movie A. I can't. I know I love him in Twin Peaks, but all I can think about is him in Dune when he's getting pressed up. Oh, you're worth twice your weight in water. He just has a face that's hard to separate from other role. You know, lots of people my age love the Sandlot. I personally don't. And they're like, why don't you? It's a great movie. And I was like, well, I don't fucking like baseball, so why would I like a movie about I've seen it once, and I liked it, but I didn't know that about how revered it was until years later. Mm -hmm. And I also was that way about Hocus Pocus, where uh, oh. I saw it and enjoyed it when I was a kid, but I wasn't aware of the huge cult that had formed around it. I also feel that way about Hocus Pocus. Come fucking fight me.
Uh, Boy Scouts don't have cookies. We have terrible fucking popcorn. Yeah, there's no relative popcorn. Wait, that's a whole new cigarette. <laughs> he put a pre-lit cigarette in his mouth. Would a modern movie make them a gay couple? You know, I think they might. Yeah, oh look, they're halfway to that being the village people. Mm -hmm. I want them to do just like Jackie Brown, where he's like, alright, now get in the trunk. <laughs> So when the guys come, <laughs> you'll just pop out, all right? <laughs> I know Damn. about this, Bing Rames. <laughs> I, fellow Americans, it is with well, great pleasure that I'm able well, to introduce... Did this, come, did this come out before or after the 90s election? Because <laughs> that might have been a legitimate Clinton uh, department. Uh, this came out in spring of 91. Oh, no, okay, never mind. There's no Department of Pussy in the first Bush administration. I thought there was always pussy. <laughs> okay, so he dressed up normally like a Cub Scout. The other guy dressed like a meter maid, and they're like, fuck. Yeah. I don't think Go to the glove box, I have a whole thing of laminated identification cards that will help us here. Uh, uh, priest, no. People under the stairs certainly have time for a symbolism. They're like, we might be under the stairs, but that doesn't mean we're not woke. <laughs> well, when they eventually do remake this, I can't wait for the uh, series of 20-minute videos. People will make it, I can't believe they made the people under the stairs woke. They're busy, you know, trying to solve environmental problems. Your Ben Shapiro's so good! Oh my god. Immediately, it's just the scene from The Shining. <laughs> Blood. Well, they were doing the millennial people under the stairs, but I got this house with ass moving right now. <laughs> <laughs> I put my tongue right up <laughs> But does he look like a bitch? <laughs> yeah, I I could read. This isn't a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> at my office. I can read the slide. I can't wait till they go to the uh, cat hanging off. Line poster as well. <laughs> Thank God. Grandfather <laughs> clock's still working. <laughs> Jeffrey Tamborn's like, there's always money in the grandfather. <laughs> you just make kids Bing! He's a child! You're fucking Uma Thurman! <laughs> I'll be right back. You know, I'll do Bing Rain stuff. Yeah, this is a basement. How big right. is this house? I've never seen a basement that big. They didn't have like, <laughs> there's no, like, there's not even like a foosball table down there. Shouldn't he be like, ah, fuck, <laughs> this is hot. <laughs> that thing's gotta hurt by now. <laughs> Maybe he has practice going to concerts and asking for encores. Play Freebird! Ah, yes, what every young kid <laughs> wants, the Gulf War. <laughs> Well, thank goodness this won't come back to Pomp America. Excuse me, are you the people under the stairs I've been hearing about? New at Universal Studios, <laughs> it's the people under the stair ride. With your special voice acting guest, Ving Rames and Vincent Price. They're going to just convert into a Shrek action. Uh, did you have Die to Fright? Ah! <laughs> My hair is white! <laughs> hey, you can't take dead bodies. Okay. As, as someone who worked in a haunted house, I really do like just the, 
the palette uh, tricks. You know he was dead, and you knew it was him. Like, this was the question. He just surprised you didn't know that the the meter guy was a member of the Skull and Bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I know for a certain that he's dead, and at one point he jerked off in a coffin. (laughs) (laughs) I see what Craven's doing here. It's white people. You're just trying to make Marina regret cutting cannibal holocaust. <laughs> Are you happy, Marina? Are you happy now? Honey, do you want to spend time with the kids? I'm watching Cannibal Holocaust! It's the first found footage film ever made, okay? It's artistic. Why are they parking the driveway? <laughs> what was gonna... Do you just thought, like, no one was gonna come back? I never should have parked my my van. Keep pulling. Chopper, sick thing rames. (laughs) That is the highlight of the movie for me right now. (laughs) One, two, three, and two, the four. Electricity's got this Rottweiler on the floor. Who will slay the pussy now? (laughs) My fellow Americans, there is a bit. (laughs) <laughs> a vacancy in our department of pussy. <laughs> no way! I'm looking at the back of the, the fucking movie and it's just like starring Everett McGill, Dune, Twin Peaks, and I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah! <laughs> they, well, they know what you're going to recognize. <laughs> you are out of your fucking mind. So, the back of the movie says starring Everett McGill, Dune, Twin Peaks, Wendy Robbie. Twin Peaks, Brandon Adams, The Mighty Ducks, Bing Rames, Piranha 3D. What? Before Mission Impossible. What? <laughs> and then AJ Linger, who uh, apparently she was in Escape uh, from LA. Well, it's no Escape from New York, but it's something, I guess. And then it's got Bruce Campbell in it, though. Yeah, that is true. And then he gets hit with a Karari dart. <laughs> Brandon, we're just going to scrap the rest of the episode and put in the back half of. Uh, the Mystery Science Theater Hobgoblin episode. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Would you? Hobgoblins. Uh, well, Hobgoblins is actually my favorite Mystery Science Theater episode. It's a great episode. I almost can't forget it, though, since its success helped create a Hobgoblins 2. I love it. It's the 80s. <laughs> Do a lot of coke and for Ronald Reagan. Oh, by the way, we've met Roach, our our person under the stairs, armed with only a slingshot and his quick wit. <laughs> and we we also saw cops visit who uh, quickly uh, assessed that the owners were white, and therefore there was nothing to worry about. A hundred percent, yeah. Honey, why is our electric bill so high? Yeah. I don't know why we built all those tunnels under the stairs. Well, we know who can't be Secretary of Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a qualification. <laughs> I don't think he's going to... One of the magic words they're going to make him say. <laughs> I broke into their house and I've been fucking with them with my fucking shenanigans. Yeah. But yeah, bad mouth. You yeah. know, like, what did you say? Have you even tried saying that you're sorry? They just come in and they're like, hey, that knock it off. Yeah. Tuck in. If there was a word I could call you to make you feel the way I feel right now, I would call you that. I know. 
His name is Ving Rhames, <laughs> the greatest man alive. When your flow is heavy. <laughs> Reach for a craven. <laughs> That's right. Talk to your doctor if Wes Craven is right for your pussy. So, fun fact. That is an actual cast of Ving Rhames. And I found out when doing research into this that they've replaced the face, but you've seen that body in a lot more movies than you think you have. Because they just, they were like, this is actually a really good mold. Hey, waste not, whatnot. You know, in all honesty, that's not really that bad of a stain. This really is Mommy Dearest, too. Yeah. I'm from the sanitation department. Oh, another one of these guys. Holy <laughs> shit, what is this? Your pH levels are crazy. We haven't seen ones these bad since we went to the Bates Motel. That dude just had a mouthful of gut. He's like, the fruit roll had tattoos. And my puns look different. Roll credits. <laughs> they truly were uh, people under the stairs. <laughs> Maybe the people under the stairs were the disenfranchised we made along the way. <laughs> oh, well, there's so much of Morlocks here. And they're like, holy shit, Ving Rhames? <laughs> I remember you from Piranha 3. Uh, Piranha 3D. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rain, please. <laughs> Get Piranha 3D the respect it deserves. And its subsequent sequel, Piranha 3DD. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> If they were to do Piranha nowadays, they couldn't do that because of environmental issues. And I can't believe that Piranha is woke. Back in my days, the Piranhas were despicable. They were Marina, I don't know if you can hear us, but we started watching Cannibal Holocaust. Don't come in. I'm jerking off. Randy, are you watching Cannibal Holocaust in there? <laughs> no! Don't come in! Uh, you may recognize this actor from when he got the guts ripped out of him in Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> Randy, any movie we watch together. <laughs> I can't wait to come back to show you my favorite Joe Dante movie, Looney Tunes, back in action. <laughs> the back of that box is Joe Dante, the director of the Second Civil War. <laughs> Joe Dante? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think his best film... 100% Gremlins 2. It is. I Way better than Gremlins 1. Write your angry letters. Okay, you can't be mad at him because technically you have this house that's like a fucking Looney Tunes mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what evil realtor they went to to get this place. Man, they really got work on their infrastructure. Uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm looking at the box office. For this movie, real fast. Uh, I'm going to bet 34 million, Alex. Uh, are you wanting to do prices right rules? <laughs> yeah, did I go over? Okay, 31.3. And I'm assuming, uh, uh, hold on, actually, let me double check. Wait, is that just domestic? Uh, no, that is worldwide. Domestic 24.2. That's not bad because this was made for 6 million? Yeah, except that the, the Wikipedia page describes it as a surprise commercial success. Which uh, I can see, I can see that, especially given how there there are ideas here. That's probably not what a lot of people are expecting for uh, this time. Be a rich cachet of smuckers. <laughs> oh no, they're talking about those. Oh, never mind. Yeah, they're a brother and sister. Well, I 
I had to confirm because I was like, oh, I recognize that guy from The Sopranos. And I did. Uh, his name's Bill something? Bill Cobbs. Bill Cobbs. Well, once again, you're rich and white, so I don't see any problem going on here. Why do you happen to have uh, this giant-ass steel door <laughs> and these barred windows? And Is this an entire electrical system set up like a Looney Tunes oh, mansion? Jesus. <laughs> well, a cop like, well, you know, the, the, uh, these are unorthodox uh, measures of self-defense, but we know there are some rough folks in the neighborhood, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, given the sheer number of people under the stairs... They probably have some spare doors. But really, they're not affairs. under the stairs. It's more people under the floorboards. <laughs> people on the crawl space. Well, except that one guy who's like in some place that they didn't even show watching the Gulf War go down. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm pretty happy I'm down here. Shit's crazy up there. <laughs> I, I kind of question the overall smarts of our villains here just because... They have all these elaborate ruses and setups here, but they seem to be very easy to circumvent. And they, it, it seems that these things often backfire against them. Then again, I don't own a death trap, so I, I can't judge too harshly. I can't. I don't know what the upkeep is. You know, for a house that you're able to just like rip the walls with your bare hands, not a creak in those yeah. stairs. <laughs> Right. I guess I have to admire this kid's gumption, because if I escaped from the death house, I wouldn't return, regardless of... I guess that's the difference between me and a better person. Oh my god, our bare hands are no match for this fucking steel. <laughs> yeah, with a few alterations, since this does involve kids, it could really be a goosebumps. Yeah, if they drop, like, the one use of the N-word that they've done, all and, the like, blood. some of the war, Yeah, all oh, the if they make it, like, green, yeah. then it's fine. They probably have to get rid of all the pussy talk. Do, but at that point, what 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 are we even doing? I want R.L. Stein to be like, I'm R.L. Stein and the pussy stays in. <laughs> it's a terrible story. I'm pulling rank here. R.L. <laughs> Stein wrote a book for adults, I believe, called Superstitious. And there's a sex scene in it. And the only reason I know this is because in middle school, an R.L. Stein fan read it and was showing it to everybody. And uh, I think that might have been like the first sex scene I ever read in media. Yeah. Yeah, and I mostly just remember it being kind of funny because uh, a lot of it's from the point of view of of a woman, and it's she's talking about how uh, fulfilling it is because yeah. she's really in love with the guy. And my thought was, you know, from the guy's perspective, it'd be a lot different. It'd be like, yeah, I'm getting stuff. <laughs> so I guess another way you could see this movie is sort of like a horror remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Jesus Christ. Folks, this is how some wasps react when they find out their daughters with a black guy. It's like the odd couple, except it's like them and like the Jeffersons move in next door. <laughs> Who made this house? <laughs> also, why'd they give all those people flashlights? In retrospect, it seemed pretty short-sighted doing that. It is sort of weird that in a movie called The People Under the Stairs, a movie that features like a quite a bit subterranean creatures. They don't really play that much part of the movie, really. They should have just called this movie The Fairy Bad Landlords. This is what every landlord's <laughs> extra room looks like. Oh, it smells like dead people down here. <laughs> He's like, cool, I'm going to leave. But I am going to grab these gold coins. Yeah, like, that TNT really was must have been some weeks. It was past its sell-by date, I guess. Get some of those fucking gold coins. <laughs> 
Or what was this for? <laughs> you uh, you can't see it right now because this is an audio medium, but we are breaking it down pretty hard. <laughs> They're going to find a new stairway to be under. Yeah. And that's the movie. <laughs> Okay, we've given you a few bits of info during the film, you've heard a summary, but now it's time for my favorite part, the discussion. Our guests will be providing their review and thoughts on the film while I ask questions and provide everyone with some behind-the-scenes information. Please keep in mind that these are just our opinions. We at the Horror Talk podcast fully support you having your own opinion on the film, so please go and check it out so you can be informed. That being said, let's hear what our special guest has to say. So Randy, got reaction. How was it? I liked it. Um, I will say that uh, tonally it kind of seems all over the place, but yeah, I, I think this is one of those examples, you kind of see it also with Wes Craven with Screen 3, where Maybe he felt like he wanted to do a different kind of movie, but he had to do it within the confines of a horror film just because that's what he was known for. That's what he could get money for. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like maybe he kind of wanted to wanted to do a kid's movie or he wanted to do a social satire movie, so he had to think of a way to do that within the confines of what he is known for. Uh, and there is something like that arch sort of, Freddy type sense like humorous moments here and there like, like he doesn't he can't really fall on catchphrases the way he was able to with those films but as you said the whole house setup is like a Looney Tunes you know Pee Wee's Playhouse kind of thing or I if you want I guess uh Home Alone yeah oh my god yeah so uh Universal Studios uh you know, their Halloween fest that they normally do where they have a bunch of attractions. Uh, the house and the people under the stairs was featured, and then it was also featured in 2006. And speaking of more current times, uh, it's been rumored. I don't know if it's moving forward, what's moving forward. Before Wes Craven died, he wanted to adapt this into like a TV series. Mm -hmm. Then he passed away in 2015. And then recently there has been talks that Jordan Peele has been vocal that he wants to do this. I can, I can see how this material would uh, fit with sort of his general uh, taste. Yeah. I, he'd probably be a little sharper with some of the more satiric elements uh, just based on his prior films. But yeah, I, I, can, I can see how this uh, concept can lend itself to like you know a smart movie a smart remake uh, not the, not to disparage this one this one it just kind of feels a little tonally off but I think it's a well-made film like it, it um, honestly if it weren't for some of the uh, moreover like incesty stuff like <laughs> it, it, you can almost see this being like a kid's first horror movie just because this is in essence a kids going on an adventure movie <laughs> we're going to the landlord's house yeah. to eat the rich well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie's really popular with teenage anarchists for some reason you know tyler durden and people under the stairs really speak to me <laughs> So, what do you think was the best part of the movie? 
this might just show my maturity level, but all the dirty talk from Ving Rhames at the beginning was pretty amazing. Secretary of Pussy. Yeah, I'm, I really am going to use that one, and my family will come to regret knowing me again. <laughs> just go up behind your wife. <laughs> the Secretary of Pussy. Is in the oral <laughs> office call now. Him, yeah, call him for duty. <laughs> I'm 15th in line to the presidency, baby. <laughs> Um, I I think my favorite is of course they're they're actually credited as just man and woman, but uh, Wendy and Everett fucking knocked it out of the ballpark. Yeah, I may, maybe I'm being a little too uh, just caustic saying the Ving Rhames stuff, but there is a lot of good stuff in this. I, I don't want to sell it short, um, even if maybe a lot of it doesn't necessarily all gel. There's still like you know fun stuff with the house, mm-hmm. how big it is, just how big man and woman go i uh i think this was the kickstart of craven getting back into it yeah yeah i i think that he just had a unfortunate sort of lull after this like again maybe i'm because i know after this was a new nightmare which is a great movie but i don't believe was that big of a success i think maybe people were just burned out by freddy or they were too alienated by some of the meta stuff. Yeah. But then, like, you know, Vampire in Brooklyn. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, I feel like a lot of people, because he's got so much shit in here. Like, he did Serpent in the Rainbow, which I like, and then he followed it yeah. up with Shocker. You kids remember Shocker? <laughs> Uh, so then he did a TV movie called Night Visions. Then he did this in 91. Then in 92, he did uh, Nightmare Cafe started. Okay, that was, that was, that was a TV show, right? That yeah. Was, yeah, okay, that, that was a sci-fi channel staple uh, back when that channel was nothing but uh, reruns of stuff. And then it was New Nightmare. Okay. Then Vampire. Then Scream Two. He did like one movie a year for a solid four years. Yeah. Like, well, Scream was just a surprise hit, if I'm not mistaken. It was. Oh yeah. Gigantic, and I to the point where they rush in Scream Two like right after. Well, actually, then again, I was going to say I feel kind of sad for some of his later years, but you know, Red Eye was pretty decent. For what Red it Eye was, was pretty decent. <laughs> Uh, I think we both agree the worst part of the movie is that it doesn't know what it wants to be because it's a bit too over the place. It's like a weird comedy, but it's also like a kid adventure and a social satire. Social satire also is talking about you know uh, class warfare, gentrification, things like that. It's it's it needs to if it centralized itself, I feel like it could be way better. I I do admire the ambition though. And I think this is also the case with people like uh, John Carpenter and George Romero, where uh, they they you know got their fame in horror, and they just you know had to dip down. They they had to figure out ways to tell other stories while also doing horror films because I imagine like not all of them got to have blank checks. Like Wes Craven, I guess lucked out because he eventually got to do his music from the heart, which no one cares about, but. I am here. Let me look up Wes Craven real fast. Just, I feel kind of sad that I'm just defaulting to uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, which I imagine he would not be happy with. He's like, I made all these other great fucking movies. What's wrong with you? You mean just like how I'm wearing my Stephen King Maximum Overdrive shirt? <laughs> that one is Maximum Stephen King. That is that's Coke at it its It is peak. glorious. 
I would uh, normally ask people their favorite quotes, but I'm I pretty sure you know it, it's secretary pussy for you. That is a hard yes for me. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I can think of a worse part of this movie. Uh, I guess I don't know. I guess maybe the opening parts like when they're in the house but uh i think it takes a little too long to get into the fun parts of the house yeah yeah it's uh and they don't even like do the mystique of what's in the house because almost immediately it's like okay we're we're in the house we're here now (laughs) whatever happened to the liquor store thing they make like one brief mention of it of someone robbing a liquor store but that's a would you, and of course, you know, lots of people who aren't in the horror realm aren't really into these sorts of things, but would you recommend this film and why? I would. And I know that there, I think that may, actually having the guy from The Sandlot and the Mighty Ducks might be a big sell to people my age, just because those are two very loved films. He can be Ving Rains in the remake. There we go. And I, I I really do think like there are just enough fun elements in this movie like that make it stand out. Uh, again, everything with the elaborate house, uh, just the sort of weird family dynamic, for lack of a better term. But yeah, I would recommend this. I, I don't think it's like excessively gory. The uh, violence that's there is like you know slapstick. Sh- is like shocking in like all the best ways. Also, you can really tell that they're using their head voices because, you know, gotcha! (laughs) Also, and this could be said of a lot of movies, if they just added yakety sax to this too, it would really fit in a lot of places. I would argue more merry-go-round broke down (laughs) would fit in too many places. There there needs to be more ass-grabbing, I guess, for yakety sax to really have its full impact. And this is a... For a movie with this much implied incest, it's kind of chaste. Yeah, they don't even, like, kiss. Yeah, you know, you know what? Actually, I'm... <laughs> if you're gonna... You know what, America? If you're gonna go whole hog... If you're gonna go... If, you can't ever go half incest. You gotta go full incest. If Wes Craven had the courage of his convictions. So, I, I think this movie's fantastic. Especially for a horror creator who you know started out of the gate with last house on the left and then followed that up with the hills have eyes and sadly the hills have eyes too that was a paycheck and he knew that and he's <laughs> said it's a paycheck but i think that this was the start of him really coming back into his own i would like to say serpent in the rainbow but there were lots of misses in between that and this uh even though there's two years apart what do you think craven's legacy is i it's I, freddy it's okay. 100%. Well, I, and also just in regards to how he's like viewed, I guess as a as a figure. I think he is uh, one of the most. Even if all of his films aren't fantastic, he had successfully revolutionized the slasher genre twice within a ten year period. Yeah, I'd also argue too. Uh, Freddy is one of the most compelling movie monsters, like just full of personality, and eventually that sort of became Too a cartoon much. of itself. But you know, like, but no, I think uh, 
I think he still has a solid legacy, even if, you know, things go to shit eventually in franchises like they all do. You can't have a franchise that's like solid all the way through. The cultural significance when Scream came out was like crazy because yeah. there wasn't a movie like it. However, someone like me who saw it way after the fact, it a lot of the nuance was like lost. A lot of the, you know... I think well, yeah. sc- I think one of the things that helped Scream hit so hard for probably for a lot of people who weren't even horror fans is like the meta commentary elements at least seem smart or maybe at least seem smart mm-hmm. for a mainstream horror film. Uh, well, uh, I I think this movie is is great. We've talked about it plenty. We've gone off on plenty of tangents. There's probably plenty of things they're probably going to get cut. Please, Marina, please cut some things. It's no Cannibal Holocaust, I'll tell you that It's no Cannibal Holocaust. I only was semi-erect during certain parts of this movie. I'll let you, the viewer at home, determine. Marina, we're doing Cannibal Holocaust, right? If you don't think we should do it, say something. Oh, see, there we go. Oh, there there we go. Uh, I should put it on right now. You you want to? You want to watch it? And then I'll delete this file with... We are not doing Cannibal Holocaust. Fuck! No, no one can hear. No one can hear you. We're totally well, I'm sorry, do Cannibal Holocaust. Fucking narc. <laughs> Jeez, can't have any fun on my podcast. Uh, no, but the next time you come, we're gonna watch Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Randy, thanks for thanks for being here, and thanks for watching a movie that doesn't get enough love, but more people should see. So, Randy, if you were, I think I'm going to start doing this. If you were to pitch a like a like a catchphrase on how we end things, what what would you pitch? Hmm. That would would stay bloody. Stay like bloody, I'm Dakota Jones, and stay bloody. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just want to use all these. I think the last episode of the season, I'm going to get everyone's recommendations. Oh wait, I, I, I have a good one. It, 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 <laughs> really, it, it really, it really, my kids love it. Good night, and I love you. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, this has been the Horn Talk podcast uh, with our special guest, Randy. And uh, I'm Dakota Jones. Good night, and I love you. Should have just called this movie the Fairy Bad Landlords. <laughs>